0: 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. I love this translation for, for some things. It just explains it so well, so descriptive. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He'll screen and filter the severity, the nature, and the timing of every test or trial that you face, so that you can bear it. Each test is an opportunity to trust Him more, for along with every trial God has provided for you, a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Oh, that's good right there, isn't it? Hmm. We have a scripture that tells us that all things, everybody say all things, all things, work together for the good of those who love God, called according to his purpose for them. Yeah. All things work together for our good, for those of us who love God, called according to his purpose for our lives. Hmm. Now That's a great promise, isn't it? knowing that the things that we're going through are preparing us for the good that he has for us to fulfill our purpose. That's that's good right there. I'd like to go to uh, James 1, verse 12, and we'll be in New King James here. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he's been approved... He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Mm. Blessed is the one who endures temptation. And what, what manner and what form temptation comes in? I, I, um, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that one. I'm going to jump to Revelation 3.19, because my time is definitely limited. Revelation 3.19. 19 through 21. So I love what one of the passages that Drew uh, was reading this morning about the door open. 319 through 21. Jesus speaking. Red letters. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Everybody say rebuke and chasten. And what does that mean? I will correct them, and I will give them a little, a little tap with the, with the shepherd's rod occasionally to, to, to bring them into the right, going the right direction. Uh, anyone that I love, I will rebuke. I will tell them what I think about what's happened, and I will give them a little tap with the rod. I will chasten them. Therefore, be zealous to repent. Therefore, be excited. Be be. Gung-ho and repent because, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Verse 21, To him who overcomes... uh, when he first got these, those, those three couples in here that we started out referring to as gangbangers, I quickly, after the first week, started referring to those, those couples, those guys in those couples, as overcomers. Yeah. Speaking, the, yeah. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's like, oh, folks, we want to have our ears open so we can hear what God has to say to us this day. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For one thing, he says, if I love you, (laughs) as many as I love, I will rebuke, I will correct, I will chase. And so be excited, be zealous, be full of zeal, gung-ho, and repent. Get it done, get it taken care of, get it fixed, finished, and move on. Because I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, hears my voice. I was talking to... Someone the other day, just real recently, who said, um, he was talking to me about Valley Church and about VSSM, and he said, you know, I actually have served for a long time, served for several years in church, but he said, I met God here. I never knew him before I got here. And at VSSM, I was introduced to Jesus Christ. It's like, whoa, So, as we read before, as uh, Jesse was sharing up here, you know, you can work and work and work and work and, and fall away even from your first love, but you also can come into a church atmosphere, which can be to you like a social club where you can fit in by working, yet you have never met our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, have no personal relationship with him. Romans 8.28, I've already said all things, all things work together for our good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to move into Matthew and talk some about temptation. It says that to those who overcome and and, and temptation, and I want to visit the temptation. You know, when Jesus was baptized, we're going to go into Matthew, fourth chapter of Matthew. uh, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit instead of just read scripture. You know, when Jesus was baptized and the Spirit descended on him like a dove, visibly like a dove, in the form of a dove, and a voice from above said, this is my Son, in whom in him I'm well pleased. Amazing, wasn't it? This incredible time where Jesus, Jesus the man, Jesus all God, the Spirit of God came down upon him when he was baptized. Heaven opened up; the booming voice came down. "This is my Son, in Him I am well pleased." And he was immediately led after he was baptized, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was immediately led into the wilderness to be, to be tried and tempted by, by the devil. It's really clear that God doesn't do any of the tempting. God will not tempt. He is not the tempter. But he will use the enemy because he is almighty God and can use him in some of our testing. He can allow. It's like what kind of God would allow that? It's a God that wants to see you fulfill your purpose and to be able to be an overcomer so you can fulfill your purpose. Doesn't everybody know that, that, that really when you, when you apply for a job, there are certain jobs that you apply for, but, but you need to have training, at least on-the-job training, to be able to accomplish that job that you're applying, that you're signing up for, right? So, when God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and He does have a plan and purpose for each one of our lives, there are some things that we will go through to be brought up and trained so we can be an overcomer, to be called to sit on His throne with Him because we've passed the test. It's fairly simple, isn't it? Okay, good. Then we're going to go to the fourth chapter of, of Matthew and read verses one through four. Then Jesus, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. When he had fasted forty days and forty nights, forty days and forty nights. I can't. I can't even wrap my mind to that around that. A three-day fast is doesn't go by very fast. Yeah. Uh, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward, he, he was hungry. <laughs> like, yeah, that one's easy to understand. He, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said... Now, the tempter always comes around when we're in a vulnerable state, in a weak state, in a tired state in a state that he feels we're most susceptible and most vulnerable haven't we all experienced that it's like oh you dirty dog (laughs) it's like and this i mean if i would fasted 40 days and 40 nights which i never have um and i surely hope that he doesn't ever call me to do that because it just sounds impossible to me The tempter came to him, challenging him in in his weak state and remembering that Jesus was flesh with the same needs, the same kind of things that we have. So he was what? Hungry. Really hungry. And the tempter said to him, If you are the Son of God, it's like... (laughs) catch him at a really weak state, been out there in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, really hungry, got nobody to visit with. Anybody ever watched Alone? (laughs) It's like people get out there and start going crazy when they've been alone for a while, especially if they're hungry. I just, you know, it's like, oh, hungry and alone, hungry and alone. And so, Jesus had to be struggling to some degree. It's like, Father, what, what are you doing to me here? What, what is happening? I, uh, I, I'm not understanding what's going on here yet. Um, and the enemy then came to, if you're the Son of God. Do you think that caused Jesus to question whether he was the Son of God or not? No, I don't think so either. I think his connection was such, constantly was such, that there never was that question even really entered his mind or entered his heart to even ponder. But he said to him, then command these stones that they would become bread. Now that could certainly be a temptation, though. Couldn't it? Like, man, I'm hungry. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, it is more important that I listen for the voice of God and what He has to say today, than I take care of the physical need that I'm experiencing right now. Does that make sense? Can anybody relate? (laughs) Thank you, Bethany. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's a scripture in James that says, Submit to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Amen. What did Jesus do? Submit to God. He said, It's not, it's not about the bread. I, t- I could turn that. I could do that. I could do that. But unless God tells me to, I'm not doing that. I submit to God and resist the devil. And then what did the devil do? Oh, he took him into another temptation. I'm going to look for another weak spot. But all we're going to talk about this morning is temptation number one. That which was the temptation of the needs, the natural desires, the hunger, desires of the flesh. Um, Like a desire that that, need, that, that we need because it's something that life requires that we eat. Okay? I believe that there are other many other basic human needs, and one of those is like the need not to be in pain. It is so distracting to be in constant pain, isn't it? So we need to not be in pain. Jesus came that we would have life and life abundantly, or to the abundance, which means that we should be living pain-free. We shouldn't be struggling with pain, sickness, illness, because Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, which is just steal, kill, and destroy. Okay. So we know what Jesus came for. We know that Jesus passed the first test, because he knows the Word of God, and he said, man doesn't live by bread alone. It's not about what I can get in my mouth or what I can, how I can take care of my basic needs. The most important need in my life is to hear the Word of God. Amen. All right. I, we're going to uh, flip now to Genesis, third chapter of Genesis, first Verse. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? It's like, oh, that tricky tricky devil. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent came back, and he said, oh, you won't surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she took a look at it. She goes, I don't really see anything wrong with this, because she was listening. I've preached on this before, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but she was listening and reasoning. I call that the voice of reason sometimes. The voice of reason said, well, what would possibly be wrong with this? And so she bought into that, listening to the wrong voice. She had already heard directly, clearly from God, but she listened to that other voice. And she heeded that other voice and fell into that temptation, as did her husband. And then we all know what the results were of that. It's like, uh, not good, not good. But my point in this is, is that the enemy will come to you oftentimes tempting you with basic human needs to lure you away from listening and hearing and obeying the voice of God. Sure worked, so there, which causes me to go back to that. There is, there is no temptation that hasn't already taken place that's new to man. The devil doesn't have any new tricks. It's the same old tricks just over and over and over again with a little different face, with a little different texture, with a little different temptation. It's, uh, you know, it's probably not the fruit from a tree, uh, it, but, 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 but. We so need to be overcomers. We need to pass the test, as it says. Now, yes, I'm going to end up having time. Going fast forward here. We're going to go to Matthew 9, verses 21-22. For she said to herself, now this was the woman with the issue of blood that had struggled for, if I remember right, it was like 12 years, bleeding for 12 years, struggling with with an issue of blood. And she had determined in her mind and said to herself, if only I can touch his garment, the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. And next, 22. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that very hour. It's like, oh, all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment and I will be made well. So what made her well? Her faith in the presence of Jesus. She touched the hem of Jesus' garment. So there was definitely a very close proximity with Jesus for her to touch his garment. But it was her faith that got her there and touched the garment, and she was made well. Okay, I want to jump to uh, Matthew 14. We'll read 32 through 36. Now, Jesus and the disciples. Yeah. Bear with me for just a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn there. Matthew fourteen thirty two through thirty six When they got into the boat, so Jesus and the disciples he went to the other side, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were with him, uh, yeah, we'll we'll be backing up. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Those who were with in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. So once they recognized Jesus and had established that his presence was there, they went and grabbed all of the sick, and they brought the sick to him, and they begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. It's like, huh. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Man, this just sounds like a formula for healing, doesn't it? All we need to do is get around him and touch the hem of his garment and we can be made well. It's like... I just thought that was so interesting that here a a little bit earlier we see one woman has touched the hem of his garment. A bunch of people saw that. Their faith was stirred up. So they wanted to get into the presence of Jesus and touch his garment so they could be healed. And how were they healed? By their faith... In the proximity of Jesus. Got to get close to Jesus and touch his garment. And then your faith will heal you. Is that not what the Bible says? It's like, oh. That's good. That's not, it's, it's not the formula. It's not the formula to get there, but it's by worshiping him which draws us into his presence. His word says he inhabits the praises of his people. So as we worship him and draw close to him, that's when we can call on his name. We can touch the hem of his garment. We can experience his goodness, his fullness, his presence, and be healed. Now, I want to back up to 14 and look at 27 through 31. Four, 20, pff, wow. I'm trying to talk way too fast for me. That's pretty much slow for most people, but it's really fast for me. Verse 27. Now, before I read 27, I mean, you need to know what the story is. We They were... You know, Jesus waited. He sent him, sent them across the Sea of Galilee. You, you guys go on across. I'm gonna gonna wait, see the lake, something. Anyway, there was water. <laughs> he was on a mountain. He sent them across. It was late, late, late at night. He came walking across, and they saw him out in the water. And it's like, oh my goodness, is that really Jesus? Is that a ghost? What is just exactly? What are we seeing out there? Um, So we get to verse 27, uh, 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to him, saying, be of good cheer, it's me, it's I, don't be afraid. Then Peter, Peter, impulsive Peter, asked him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, why would Peter say that? It's because he'd heard the voice of Jesus. He knew Jesus' voice. So if he could hear Jesus asking him to come to him, he would recognize that voice, and he would have confidence that indeed Jesus was calling him. So Peter answered him and said, If it's you, command me to come out onto the water. So Jesus said, Come. One word, Come. And when Peter heard that, he came down out of the boat, and he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So he recognized Jesus, he's seen incredible miracles with Jesus. He's been in his presence many, many times, and he heard the voice, he recognized the voice, jumped out of the boat onto the water and took off walking towards Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him. And then he said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt me? And I've heard so many messages on this and the people saying, well, at least he got out of the boat. At least Peter got out of the boat. You know, how many of you would jump out of the boat? Well, if you heard the voice of Jesus and you were confident that he was calling you out, as you know, as it said about Jesus, he only did what he heard his father say or what he saw his father do. So Peter's like, oh, Jesus is calling. It's good. I can go. I can do this. And he was on track. Everything was going great. Peter was walking on water. It's like, man, that's incredible in itself, isn't it? Peter was walking on water, jumped out of the boat, the winds and the waves, was walking on water, and then he began to wonder. It's like, I think he started to listen to the voice of the enemy, like, you can't really do this. What are you thinking? You're crazy. And then he believed it. It's like, oh, no, the wind, the waves, I'm on the water, started to sink. So, and Jesus' response to that was, why did you doubt? It's like the Bible says we can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us strength if you can believe. If you can only believe. You can do if you can believe. But we cannot let circumstances cause us to not believe and to doubt. All right, Dina, if you could come back up here, you have, I really believe, I, I, in fact, I'm confident that so oftentimes uh, there was probably I don't know, 20, 25 people that said that were prayed for for healing. And then several of those people received a degree of healing but were not completely healed. Ended up, I believe that sometimes, I not believe, I know that sometimes what happens is the enemy comes in and we start to listen to that voice and we can end up losing our healing because we doubt. Do you hear me? We can lose our healing because we begin to doubt. Doubt. The voice of reason kicks in. It's like, oh, yeah, did he really? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Did he really? Am I really healed? Is that, I, I think of, I don't know if Yacinia and Juan are, are in here, but I, I think of her. She got prayed for. She fell out like right there. And first time, she came out of a, a, another church. It had been almost two years since she had even been in church. She came up to the front, got prayed for, and fell out in the spirit right there. And as she was laying there feeling the incredible peace that surpasses understanding, she started hearing another voice that said, this is not real. You better get up. It's like, oh. Even that, the voice of the enemy comes in. His purpose is to kill, steal. And sometimes that's steal your healing. So... Dina had an amazing and incredible healing, and we've heard her her healing story, but not very many have heard her hang on to her healing story.
1: Yeah, after I was healed of the disease, that's highest there is on the medical pain chart. Um, that very, it was it happened at about ten o'clock in the morning, and that night when I went back to my hotel room because I was at a conference, I as soon as I um, as soon as I sat down on the bed in that room, my legs started to burn from my toe all the way to my hip. And the nighttime burning that I would experience as a result of you know the nerves going out into overdrive was usually from my toe to my knee. I mean, it had always been from my toe to my knee every single night. But this time, it was all the way to my hip. I had just given testimony at the conference that God had healed me. and. Um, I was sitting there burning um, from toe to hip, knowing that it was worse than it had ever been. And it, it gets, when you, t- when you take all, when you live in constant chronic everyday pain, high pain, you, your pain tolerance level starts to go up. But when you have absolutely no pain, which is what I experienced after I was healed, zero pain, to have the pain come back was just even, felt to me even worse, because I went from ground zero to super high pain. So I'm burning from my toe all the way to my hip, and I—I um, I knew that I was under attack of the enemy because I knew I'd been healed that morning. My because my the change in my condition was so intense, I knew that I'd been healed, and I've been thanking God for my healing all day long. And so when um, when the pain came back, I. I knew I was under attack. The girl that was with me had uh, an email that she was trying to she was trying to get her laptop open so she could read to me how to keep your healing because she had gotten an email about that, and um, she was trying to find it. And as she was trying to find it, I saw pictures in my mind of um, things that I'd been I'd asked God for forgiveness for over my whole lifetime. Like I started to get like they would look like line drawings, like a coloring book page, and they were flashing in front of my face. And I was like, God, why are you doing this to me now? Why are you reminding me of this when I'm in the middle of all this pain and I know I'm under attack of the enemy? And then I heard in my mind um, the accuser of the brethren. And then I knew that it wasn't God who was reminding me. It was the enemy that was reminding me. And so um, my friend opened up her laptop and it said... um, it, it said that you should rebuke Satan, and then you should uh, worship, him, worship God and thank him for your healing with all your heart, mind, and soul. And so I rebuked Satan over those pictures that were in my head, and I didn't know, I don't know why I didn't think to rebuke him over the pain. You know, like I'd had no really understanding of, uh, about how this process works. And so I rebuked him over the pictures that were in my head, and immediately all the pictures disappeared. And then I went on to say to my friend, leave, please leave the room so I can just worship God. And I turned the worship music up and I just started worshiping God. And I remembered what it felt like to be pain-free. And I think this is really, really key. This is something that I told the gal in, in, who um, you saw the testimony earlier. Um, when, for example, when she received healing, she said to me, I don't have any pain right now. And then we talk more. And then later on I said, how's your pain now? And she said, I don't have any pain right now. And I said, do you know what that means? You have no pain right now. That means you are healed. It doesn't mean you don't have pain right now. Because if we start with that kind of presupposition, I don't have pain right now, or my symptoms are better right now, then there's this, we're just setting ourselves up for, yeah, probably but later, I, I, I probably will have pain, right? <laughs> So what we have to do is we have to acknowledge what God did. So in that moment in the hotel room, I acknowledged what God did. I knew that He had healed me. I knew that I was completely 100% pain-free. I knew that all the dystrophy had broken on my right ankle for the first time since the disease began. I could bend my ankle and I could walk up and down steps straight instead of going sideways. I knew I'd been healed, even though I was in worse shape than I'd ever been. And so. I just started praising God and thanking Him for um, for healing me. I re- I kept remembering, even though it was burning worse than it ever was, I kept remembering what it felt like to be pain-free, and I just started thanking Him for healing me. I just thanked Him for... And I didn't even know if I was thanking Him for just that day of being pain-free or not. I was just totally, thoroughly thanking Him that He had healed me and that I was completely pain-free. And I just kept praying every word of every song, and I kept praying worshiping God with all of my heart all my mind and all of my soul all the while thanking him that I for the healing that he had given me and after about 45 minutes of doing that all the pain just disappeared and that praise God And, and and that kind of intense burning came pain never came back again praise the Lord and I used to have that every single night um But remember, it was worse than it had ever been, and it never came back again, right? But what did happen was I would have little, for about two weeks, I had um, a little burning pain that would move in the upper upper part of my body or throughout my body. I I was just, it felt almost like a sunburn, you know? Uh, Rather than, like, the other felt like my leg was in hot campfire. (laughs) But so every time I would get that, that feeling, I remembered that I was healed, and I thought to myself, that is ridiculous. I am healed. And in my mind, uh, I just, I mean, I just, I just, pre- I just commanded that, that Satan or demon or whatever was coming against me, whatever little thing he was pushing against me, I commanded to get off my body. It felt like I was flicking a fly off. Like the second it would land, I would say, no, and that has to go in Jesus' name. It has to go because I know what he did, and I know that he healed me. And so I flicked that fly off for two straight weeks, and there was a day, about three weeks, I mean, it was about three days after that intense healing where it it seemed to get really bad. (laughs) And I did even call somebody else and ask ask them to pray for me. But I continued to remember that I had been healed I continue to remember, even though I had never been taught that you had to fight for healing, I am telling you right now, if you experienced last week a reduction in your symptoms, that means healing was delivered to you, and the rest of it will come. And and if you know that in your heart and stand in faith and believe, (laughs) like he had to do when he walked on the water... Then, God will meet you in your faith.
0: (laughs) So anyone that was healed, felt healed, got some degree of healing, or has not yet received their healing, just where you are, just stand up. We're going to have Dina pray for you from here, just like over the phone, if you would stand up. And reach your hands out to receive. Okay.
1: Jesus, we honor you. We say, hallowed be your name. We say, let your kingdom come here on earth, (laughs) as it is in heaven. (laughs) And there's no sickness and disease in heaven. none and so we say yes and amen to your will for these people in this room to these bodies in this room we say yes and amen yes lord yes to your will and your way lord and we say no to anything that's coming against them that's not of god we say that must go right now in the name of jesus christ everything that's not of God, get off these bodies now in the name of Jesus Christ. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you have richly, deeply, and preciously paid the price for us to be completely free. Thank you, Jesus. We remember what you did and we just release all that you have right now over every single one of these people in this room right now. We just say to these bodies, be healed now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we just say no more to sickness, to the disease, to disorder. All pain go now in the name of Jesus Christ. And all symptoms of sickness and disease go now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Satan has no right to throw any sickness and disease on us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We receive everything that you have for us right now. We receive oh, full sustenance right now. Everything, everything that you have for us, we receive it now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Let's everybody stand and pray together now. If everyone would just say with me, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, receive my I receive my healing. By your stripes, By your, stripes. Your, precious blood, your precious blood, I am healed. I, am healed. I rebuke I the voice. of the enemy enemy. as he comes against me. I claim the blood of Jesus Christ Christ. and my healing. healing. In Jesus' name.
1: name.
0: Amen. Amen. Ask the prayer team to come up. Anybody that needs prayer for any reason if you want prayer for more healing if you want that time of refreshing if you would like to be refreshed in his spirit this morning any need that you might have and if you've never asked jesus to be lord and savior of your life i just encourage you to come 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 but i bless you in the name of jesus i say go (laughs) be blessed Carry the kingdom and his glory wherever you go. Amen.